to podcast number seven, uh, Mayor Craig Copeland with uh, CEO Kevin Nagoya. We don't have any guests uh, for this podcast, but we're talking about bringing in uh, possibly the uh, RCMP and uh, maybe uh, that uh, good-looking uh, Ryan LaFay from the, the Chamber of Commerce president. Mm, that would be a great guest. Yeah. yeah so talk about uh, economy then too. Yeah. Yeah. We, what the businesses are doing. We, we're just re- returned from uh, some sessions there with the AUMA, the President's Summit. And we learned that we have a lot of people listening out there from the municipal world anyways on our podcast. So uh, welcome to podcast number seven, all you uh, that listened to us. Uh, it was really <laughs> great to hear the feedback. And of course, a lot of people wanted to uh, understand what we're trying to do here. And we explained it to them that we're trying to give uh, the general public uh, more information uh, on on the goings on at City Hall. Yeah, no, uh, even at the uh, President's Summer, not only was our podcast being talked about, was the... Um, um, the uh you know the speeches from the uh, president of the chamber of commerce of alberta there the alberta sand and gravel and alberta construction association some interesting insight on uh, you know different perspectives of how the economy is doing and where is it going and and uh, projections into the future uh you know lots of different insight from the different disciplines of alberta on you know these downturns in the economy and the return right we learned a lot from those sessions so yeah, yeah and i think uh, general consensus on the on the municipal leaders in the room was that the biggest hits of course is nobody surprises the msi reduction and uh, for the city of Coal Lake, it's it's several thousands hundreds of thousands of dollars and, and you know that's money that really uh, is spent uh, locally and a lot of local contractors get those money you know t- typically they're uh, big capital projects, roads, sewer, you know, uh, water projects. And so uh, it's going to hurt the, the local uh, companies in the area. Yeah, most of our uh, uh, construction programs, at least uh, that's road building, sewer building and stuff like that is all done here locally. Most of it is done here locally. So um, anything big, like, you know, our last energy center expansion, those are companies from Edmonton and stuff like that. But uh, even within those sub-trades, there's many locals that are intertwined into those uh, big contracts as well. So, yeah. Municipalities, what, operate on eight or nine cents uh, on, the, on the dollar and uh, for what you pay in taxes and uh, go down on the municipal level. And, and uh, you know, it just seems that uh, more and more uh, down downloading uh, to municipalities. I think that was a big concern uh, going forward uh, is just sort of the, it seems to be the, the municipalities are really, really taking it on the chin right now. You know, one thing that I took away from that uh, meeting was uh, the discussion surrounding how when in uh, uh, the construction world is a, is, is a capital venture, a largely capital venture. And when, uh, um, you know, the, the prices reflect the capital assets that all has to be purchased in order to deliver those projects, right? These big paving projects and whatnot, building projects, but whenever, and, and, and pipelines for that matter, we'll get into pipelines in a moment. Um, but uh, when there's a major downturn in the economy, um, the Americans love it because all of the assets here have to go to auction and they get it for 10 cents on the dollar and it goes down to the United States and they use those assets that are pretty much only a couple or a handful of years old and use it for construction down there, which gets a great deal. But when the economy wraps up in Alberta again and in Canada, it's you have to repurchase all those uh, assets at prime dollars because it's the top of the market. And uh, and then who has to pay for all that is is the clients, so municipalities and 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 the, and the oil and gas industry. Anybody that's uh, the recipient of having those pro- those uh, those projects has to pay for those capitals again. And then only for a downturn in the economy, they get sold off, right? So it's interesting yeah. to, to to hear the different perspectives. Yeah, you know, we haven't, uh, for the city of Coal Lake, of course, uh, a lot of people know that we haven't passed, uh, you know, we've only done an interim budget. We are still waiting uh, 
the importance of uh, ID349 funding. Uh, it was an agreement that was in place back in, uh, brokered in 2011 with the province of Alberta. And, and right now that funding is uh, being reviewed by the, 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 the UCP government. And we'll see where we land. We sure hope that we get a decision here shortly so that we can uh, all move forward. Uh, but, you know, uh, you know, I'm optimistic. Uh, I said it to some of the local media that, you know, I think that things are starting to uh, to, to to glitter a bit. Uh, we have the three big pipeline uh, projects that uh, uh, have you know had some really good news. Uh, TC Energy on the Keystone pipeline, uh, starting to lay down equipment down in the United States on the you know their part of the the Keystone pipe, and uh, so they're manning up uh, in a couple months to start digging and put, lay down the pipe, and then they also want to get the permit to to cross the Canadian border and come into Canada. And then, of course, you'll get the Canadian pipe laid quite quickly because it's just a small leg of that keystone. But, you know, that's a really significant pipeline uh, that uh, hopefully will be up and running by 2022-23. And uh, in, in the Coal Lake oil sands, a lot of our oil, future oil, will, will definitely go down onto the keystone. And then Line 3 just recently uh, had some really good news uh, in the decision in Minnesota. And so line three is, as far as I know, is already dug in Canada. So we just got the small leg into the United States. And that's going to be a couple hundred thousand barrels a day more uh, expansion there. And of course, uh, we know we've got a lot of coal lakers on the uh, on the Trans Mountain project. Uh, uh, we know uh, they're out there in the field starting to dig. And, uh, you know, the price tag came in a little bit high just recently with an announcement. And, you know, that really should not surprise anybody with uh, the nonsense that's going on in Canada right now. That uh, whenever you delay construction, it, the, the clock it just keeps yeah. ticking, right? And so uh, contracts are in place. And, of course, uh, you know, uh, it's unfortunately, you know, we've got to stop the, the nonsense. And, uh, you know, I'm glad to see that we're standing up to it and uh, continuing the project. Well, it's nice to see locals that are on that Trans uh, Mountain uh, Pipeline. Uh, they're staying in, you know, a couple of them staying in Hinton and yep. that area. So that's good to see that uh, that uh, people are heading back to work, right? Oh, there's so many Canadians that are going to be on that project coast to coast. I mean, that is going to be a big one, especially this uh, spring and summer uh, when the project gets going. Uh, there'll be so many people on that project. I mean, you just think about uh, who makes the pipe, transport the pipe to the job site, taking the pipe off the trucks. I mean, so many truckers involved. When you see those trucks go down the highway with pipe and you go, you count the actually yeah. amount of pipes they actually have and you go, really? And so you think about, you know, moving p pipe by rail to a certain point and then trucks, the people offloading it, just the amount of employment that generates from a, from a major What, pipeline. Energy East? Energy East. Well, that that one to me is is the no brainer. Um, why in the world we can't have an Energy East uh, or an Energy Corridor, uh, coast to coast, and you could lay down uh, oil pipelines, gas pipelines. That should be the new Energy Corridor, just like uh, you got the, the Trans Canada Highway, right? The uh, Highway One, right, right across uh, Canada, and the Trans Canada Pipeline. Hey, why not? That's, that's great. Well, you know, uh, you know, you look at where we were back in the 1900s to to now. I mean, you you don't think we shouldn't have a corridor of some sort, you telecommunications, fiber network. Uh, you know, it's just unbelievable. We've become so protectionist uh, of our, our, our little neighborhood and uh, we don't work as, as Canada anymore. And hopefully the, the political will is going to really invest in, uh, in an energy corridor. And of course, you know, Alberta, everybody would say, well, you have a self-interest, but you know, why wouldn't you want Alberta oil, Saskatchewan oil to go to the East Coast to take out that Saudi crude and replace that over a million barrels a day? I mean, we were down in Quebec City there. We got to see the uh, 
the yeah. oil freighters uh, going Coming by, in, tankers yeah. going yeah. by, and we're just going, oh my goodness. Yeah. And, uh, you know, it's just, it's incredible. Look at the recent rail derailment that was in Saskatchewan here again. Um, why in the world we're, we're moving oil by rail and displacing the grain uh, is incredible. But this is the the country we have. And as much as people want to criticize a man like Donald Trump, uh, President Trump, he's made uh, United States efficient. And uh, really that uh, Economy's line, hot down there. Yeah, the economy's hot. People are working. Uh, unemployment's uh, record lows. You know, why wouldn't we want to say the same thing? Why can't Canada be efficient? I mean, why wouldn't we want that in our country? So once the pipelines are starting to be built, uh, then there's going to be a uh, uptake on uh, confidence in order to put the put the product so that people like uh, Imperial Oil and yeah, yeah. all the big, yeah. all, all, everybody, all the oil companies. And it might, you know, it might actually start up, uh, resurge the, uh, the junior, the junior oil market, which is really uh, the investors aren't really investing in, in, in the oil stocks, but Certainly, uh, you know, that day will come back where, where companies are going to, you know, find the shareholders that want to invest in their companies. But, uh, you know, in our area, in, the, in, in this Coal Lake and greater area here, I think that uh, things are optimistically going to improve here. And whether it's 2023 that the pipelines will be ready except oil. Certainly, well, your uh, construction of your plants will start sooner than that yeah, if their exactly. confidence is building, right? Yeah. So, be at least a year, year and a half out, you know. So, we right. should see, you know, some kind of movement here shortly. Uh, companies wanting to invest once they once they see the actual uh, Trans Mountain actually moving fast, you know, I think we know that Imperial Oil has a, has done a big announcement, um, and so you know, I think that was four hundred million dollar uh, announcement there uh, from possibly this starting up this summer. And so things will 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 build, and uh, we could be back into a you know a real boom here shortly. And, and on top of that, you have was it uh, Nova subsidiary of uh, uh, TC Energy as well pipeline for the natural gas. That's uh, the, what's it called the satellite loop right yeah, here. Yeah, satellite uh, twenty inch line um, being put in as well. So that's going to start. General contractor supposed to be announced probably this spring. That's where TC wanted to be sitting, and then uh, construction starting this fall. Yeah, you know I think we're going to have some. Uh, some po- positive times in front of us. I mean, look at the, on the commercial side. We've, uh, without a lot of work by the city, uh, we've seen businesses come invest in Colic. We've got the Starbucks and and uh, uh, Ido Japan have now invested in Colic with stand-up stores. We know that the sales for the first week uh, of opening business did extremely blew, yeah, well. Yeah, blew the, blew the lids off, right? Yeah. yeah, yeah. Colic always seems to come out in big waves in uh, the area, supporting uh, the local uh, franchises that do invest in our area, which is really encouraging, man. What a lot of people... Look at our population of 15,000, but they don't realize that so many people come from about an hour and a half radius, especially out in Saskatchewan. Yeah. I mean, Saskatchewan, good shout out to them. They come into Coal Lake and they spend a lot of their money in our in our community. And uh, so, you know, we probably attract about 60,000 people in a general area uh, coming into Coal Lake to uh, do their shopping. Yeah, you have, uh, what is it? Uh, so yeah, Edo, you have Starbucks that just opened up and uh, blew the socks off. You have Burger King that's uh, that's set to open like within weeks. So- so um, that's going to be an exciting time. And I'm sure well. more will come. You know, it, it yeah. uh, you know, especially when you when you people see confidence in the economy, and we know that uh, you know, Coal Lake's very fortunate to be home of Canada's largest fighter base, and we know that the the feds are going to come in and, and really start to invest significant money on that base, as much as uh, a half a billion uh, dollars uh, of infrastructure projects on the wing, starting probably this summer. And going out for a few years, all part of the, the sort of the modernization of the of the fighter force. Yeah, 
Yeah. Yeah. It's supposed to be tenders. They're hoping this March, April, and then them to hiring their general contractor sometime this summer for, for, for that, uh, for that construction. And that's part of that new fight future fighter program. On top of that, as we heard, uh, recently was, is, uh, the new future fighter program all in itself has uh, potential, lots of changes for the wing and lots of improvements on uh, support personnel and, uh, other squadrons and stuff like that. So there's lots of, uh, pending announcements that are, that'll kind of start to unwind over the next, uh, six, 12, 24. 48 months, right? So. And we know up in the air weapons range where the pilots uh, do all of their training, uh, that uh, that equipment up there uh, to to uh, work with the pilots uh, makes, you know, as they're training, some of the, some of the equipment is uh, bad guys, uh, you know, pretending to shoot at the planes, et cetera, or the planes shooting at the bad guys. And targets. Is all the targets are all going to be uh, modernized. And so there's a huge amount of spend just to modernize the, the air weapons range itself. And so what this is going to lead to is that, you know, we have such an asset with the air weapons range, very unique piece of airspace where they control the, the entire airspace from the ground all the way to infinity. And, uh, you know, the area is massive and uh, there's not a lot of places in the world. And so by modernizing the range, we're going to probably see a lot of countries want to come to to Coal Lake and train. Yeah, the, uh, you know, the operations that they used to have, which is Maple Flag, which was postponed or, you know, you know, in, in, until uh, the updates are done to the air weapons range, we'll start to look back now and, and ha- implementing those types of programs. We would like to see that, right? So, and that will bring um, the world back or Cold Lake back on the mark for, for these training programs as well. Yeah, yeah. Cold Lake is, uh, average yeah. is about, uh, during the heyday uh, when oil was really going strong here, about 2012, 13, we're averaging about 150 homes uh, starts a year. We've really leveled off to, to, uh, to about 30, and now we're about 45 homes or so a year. And so the inventory, there's lots of, of course, houses for sale, not only in Coal Lake, but in all of Alberta. But, uh, you know, I think when the economy picks up, we, we should start to see uh, that inventory of homes, uh, you know, suck up and, and dry up. And, and hopefully, uh, you know, the, the ones that really took it on the, on the chin were the home builders, the developers, uh, risking uh the millions of dollars to uh, to make these big, huge quarter sections and, and develop the, the the houses, and then of course the economy just tanked. And so hopefully they come back and and want to invest in Coal Lake and 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 see where where the market goes. We we could potentially uh, the big concern I think is you know by 2023 we really could be in a shortage again if the economy goes the way I think it will go um, because we always repeat ourselves uh, and they're always it's very cyclical. Um, you know, we could be back in that stages where, where rent goes up quite quickly. We saw back in 2013, people were getting rent notices underneath their doors, 600 to a thousand dollar a month increases when the supply just, uh, you know, shrunk. Well, your, your, your service industry had a hard time acquiring or, or, or retaining staff, right? You're talking the, the service industry, they're either moving out or they didn't have a lot of options to live. That's actually the transit system actually started to become, uh, a very incremental in or important for the uh, the community, so that way it opens up areas for the community to live, right? And uh, being able to take the bus and go to work to support the service center that was actually part of that. And, and, and including, remember the uh, it was the temporary foreign worker program, and uh, being able to not just have your workers just living next door in a, in a fourplex, but it allowed the whole community to be accessible and live in anywhere in the community. Yeah, so we have a free transit in Coal Lake. We realize that it's uh, very unique in Canada to have uh, transit. We've got some, two beautiful buses that, that cover the north and south in, in a big loop. We always say that if you're in a hurry, take a cab. But uh, we don't have Uber here. But, 
if you're in a hurry, take a cab. But if you have time, uh, take the bus. And uh, you know, I take it once in a while, and it's you know, it's great to talk to the people on the on the bus. You're just on it about a week ago. I or was so, on yeah. the bus. I thought, yeah. you know what, I'm going to take the bus. Uh, you know, you can sit back, relax, uh, check your emails. I think I get more done on the bus and checking my emails than. Uh, than but uh, you know, it's great to talk to the people on the bus, and you know, overall, everybody's uh, happy that it's free. Of course, I mean, it's saving everybody money, and that was the intent. Uh, for for people to give them a, a break, but also, uh, you know, we're doing our we're doing our best to, for the uh, the green, the carbon to be. You know, Coal Lake is doing their fight. Uh, you know, we're, oh, we're reducing our carbon we're, footprint. Absolutely, we are. We yeah. we don't promote it that way, but I think uh, that is the new message we got to start saying is that we were leaders. Here's an oil town. There is a calculation that this that that's done for carbon footprint yeah, regarding exactly. the the transit system. We were um, at the FCM. Remember in yeah. that room with all of the. Uh, anti-pipeliners, and uh, they were going around the, the the room, the community, saying what they're going to do to to you know combat climate change. And they were putting up big transit, huge, yeah. putting up a lot of ideas about transit and, and plastic bags. And of course, we were already leading the edge. Where here's an oil town that was already introducing uh, the free transit. We just didn't market it that it should be you know. We're doing our part, and I think uh, going forward, I think we got to start marketing this whole thing that we're leading edge, and we just didn't know about it. Yeah, actually, before uh, you know, you had lots of uh, you know, there's a lot of positive comments uh, that was uh, you know, the government looked at it, your community loved uh, your business community liked the uh, the transit system because it opened up uh, um, options for their for their for their workers and stuff like that in the community. Um, you know, but you know, after a couple of years, sometimes that message starts to get quiet and stuff like that. So you. Know, I, I, it's a very good program. It's running very well. It's very smooth and it's very consistent and very reliable. Um, the numbers, what is it? I was just looking here. 172, almost 173,000 rides last year. 173,000 rides. And most people actually in the community, when you talk to them and they, you know, they talk, uh, um, when they talk about the transit system, and you know whether they have some positive comments or or, or 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 critiquing of it, you know the the number that stands out to them. They didn't believe me when they said it's a hundred and almost one hundred seventy three thousand rides for last year. Yeah, which it is costs, a big number. It you know, costs yeah. us about nine hundred thousand uh, dollars. We did reduce the the hours at the front end and the back end of each day just to save a little bit of money. But you know I think it's cost council about nine hundred thousand. And we've always argued that uh, here we are prepared. Uh, to pay millions of dollars in in recreation deficit as a as a council because it's all about your community it's, it's what your vision of the community should be and and why not have transit uh, available with a big deficit we, we're accepting that on council and you know people have asked us to maybe charge a tuny or something like that but we felt that you know um, right now it's free and count the council always res- reviews it every budget year to see if we want to implement a charge our big concern of course if you put a charge in are you going to get reduced uh, uh, people on the bus the ridership will be impacted yeah right and we know families utilize the bus to move their their kids around the community we see that with the the biggest uh, volume of uh, of riders is around 315 at uh, the high school yeah well high school or even the uh, the middle schools or uh, especially during the summer uh, uh, moving kids around 
Um, but it's not only that; it's the different levels of uh, of users that you remember when you're on that transit bus. There's stories when uh, you know when yourself or myself taking that bus, you know, and uh, a senior or an elderly uh, mm-hmm. person and jumping on that bus, she's uh, almost brings tears to her eyes because uh, you know the message that's being given is is that she's never left the home. Right. And this is her only way to get out and which is quite fascinating. Right. There's great stories that come out of it, you know, and, and yes, it does cost with some money and the, um, uh, but there's also a lot of great success stories that are happening within the community. Um, I think, uh, the community ha- has been generally like, I think the only conversation that happens uh, and that keeps stemming up is why is it free? Right. I think that's why the, the that conversation exists every once in a while. And I think it's not only just uh, the ridership. Um, you know, council has talked about the safety component of it. Um, you know, if there's any change that's sitting on that bus, what will be it with 10 bucks or 20 bucks or 30 bucks, how much of a risk does that cause? Because we know some of the, the crime that's in that, that has been there is that's, you know, 20 bucks is what somebody's looking for. So, um, and, uh, the cost of, uh, collecting that money in the end and administering that money will, you know, it takes a, there's a body or at the contractor that would have to give in order to, to sort that money, take it to the bank or whatever the movement of it. Right. And, uh, also is, is that, you know, somebody said, well, you can make it free by having passes, but that takes administrative work as well. There's a backbone to that. If you're going to have like a card swipe system, there's the cost of maintaining that, you know, as well as I do, your worship, the, any of our credit card systems and all those bank fees, any of those programs that we have right now, they come at a significant cost, uh, those fees, all those uh, residual fees that are around there or maintaining the software because those licensing uh, software people that have the overhead or the hardware, I should say, they charge an annual fee as well to it, 10, 20, $30,000 for those fees in order to utilize their service, right? And uh, so that's, you know, council looks at those every year, talks about it a little bit. You know, I think council continues to ask for administration for further briefings on, you know, what are those costs? And and as as we as we move further in the transit program and on the inevitable or on, on the time, what will it ever institute a fee for it? Council likes to have those conversations. Yeah, exactly. We talk about uh, credit cards. Now we uh we're now going to allow people to pay property tax using credit cards. Oh, yes. Yes, that would be a new program similar to what's like uh, the Alberta Government Institute with its registry office that you can um, now pay. They That used to n- never be an option. And, and now there's third-party options that are out there. The City of Cold Lake is uh, instituting a third-party option for for credit card payment as well. And that will include like your utility ta- utility um, bills, uh, online uh, accounts receivables, and, and your municipal property taxes. We're hoping uh, and we're... We're pretty sure that everything's going to be implemented for this tax year. Um, of course, uh, council just gave the uh, signal for go ahead uh, about, a, about, about a week ago or, or two weeks ago. So um, we just, we need to set up all the, the, the hardware as well. And okay. So people might be able to get their reward points by using credit The cards. reward points. There we go. Yes, yes, wow. yes. No, it's good. Uh, talking about uh, crime, uh, we know that uh, February 26th uh, at six o'clock start at and yep, we're going to at the Lakeland Inn. We're going to do a uh, sort of a crime uh, conversation with the community, and we're going to have, of course, staff sergeant and the RCMP will be presenting, and we're going to try to get a few other guests. But we just want to talk to everybody. Well, you, and, you had and, quite a few people attend a council meeting a few weeks ago. Yeah. Um, you know, the just raising concerns. Yeah, great yeah. concern with the break-ins that we've had, and you know, we everybody's aware on council that uh, you know we we have issues in our community. We see it. We see the stats. And uh, unfortunately, uh, Cold Lake is a magnet for uh, well, in, a little in being bit. Being fair is that Cold Lake's not unique 
no, of necessarily course, it'll throw up the province, the right? You're seeing um, stats that are on the rise and some of them fall in some of the communities. But, you you know, when you look at Lethbridge right now, they've got some high numbers. I think they were like number two or something on the or number two or number three. They were pretty high on their uh, on their ratings in the province. Right. So um, so you do have those issues throughout the province. So we, we do have our unique challenges that are in Cold Lake, but yet. Crime seems to be having certain challenges throughout the province, right? Yeah. And for different reasons. As and uh, and I think the crowd that was uh, and the and the members of the community that attended your council meeting um, recognize that there's it's it's not necessarily a simple solution. Although um, there are some quick asks on getting um, um, you know getting boots on the ground and stuff like that. There's also kind of that recognition that it's not a simple solution. Do, uh, does lobbying need to happen with the provincial government with regard to the uh, the kind of the judicial system itself? Yeah, right. we, we know that uh, the smaller municipalities and the counties now have to pay for RCMP. So we know that uh, the province will be collecting a new new source of revenue. So it'll be fascinating to watch if, if that money goes to actual new RCMP members across the province. And is uh, the city of Coal Lake a detachment, uh, which the MD of Bonneville is part of? Uh, does Do we see any new uh, members that way? I think, uh, you know, what was it? Uh, I want to suggest about 12 months ago, maybe a little bit longer. I, I might be, uh, time might not be uh, quite exactly to that. Um, there was an announcement of 50 uh, Crown prosecutors that was supposed to be going throughout Alberta. Um, the City of Cold Lake has not received feedback on where those Crown prosecutors were going to be located because it's not only just putting, as you know, boots on the ground in Cold Lake. And if you put you know, even if you put three, four new members on the ground and you got a whole bunch of charges being laid, the issue is, is the judicial system on the Crown Prosecutor side, they can't necessarily process the file. As remember that when we had the Crown Prosecutor present to the uh, residents of Cold Lake about 18 months ago, um, you know, they had to actually uh, um, um, stop files because they were still dated based on some of the Supreme Court of Canada's rulings of of, of the dates of being able to hear them, right? And so so it's, it's the Crown Prosecutors, uh, you know, they are... They are worked pretty solid in our the Lakeland region because there's only so many of them in the Lakeland region. And then beyond the Crown prosecutors, one of their uh, conversations or uh, conversations or issues that they had was the uh, court times in Cold Lake. Right, there was not enough court time. So Cold Lake has also geared to try to extend court times and they were extended a little bit, just marginally. But uh, again, court times is going to become an issue. And then also on the other side is, uh, you know, already we've seen some success uh, with the the police dog program, yeah, the dog's this, doing very well. Now that took almost two, just over two years for the city of Cold Lake to stand that one up in in discussions, negotiations, and and uh, and 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 the strategic planning surrounding that implementation. Yeah, the officers and uh, and the dog are, are just doing a great job, and and they're really getting well received by the community, and people are very aware of uh, having the canine program here in Cold Lake, and of course, people are asking us to have another one. And and what we try to tell people is, well, you don't necessarily want to have uh, more too many uh, dog and handlers because they you want to keep the dog sharp. But uh, definitely uh, uh, the the officer goes out out in the greater area, does not necessarily uh, work right out of Coal Lake. And so uh, he, we've seen the files where he's gone way over by Wandering River and in the Lacrobish area all the way yeah. down into Elk Point and, and Lloyd Minster. So yeah, when you look at some of these numbers, um, what is it uh, for 2019, um, the police dog was, and uh, the crew, 
um, was on 314 files. Yeah, incredible. That's, you know, there's only 365 days in a year. That's, that's, that is an incredible number. Uh, so there's not really a downtime for that, uh, for that unit. Um, although they do take their downtimes, but uh, you can see in terms of how many files that they could be working even in a day, right? Um, when you look at uh, stats, what is it? Uh, 133 uh, case files that they're working on in Cold Lake. Um, 67 were in the, uh, the city itself. And then uh, uh, 23 were on Elizabeth Métis settlement. Uh, 12 were on Cold Lake First Nations and 31 was uh, in the MD of Bonneville in terms of working those cases. So um, St. Paul, 46 cases, three in the town, 43 in the rural What's county of St. Paul. St. Paul is that uh, we don't know that there's also uh, a team in uh, in St. Paul and they both uh, both share. There's always yeah. a dog yeah. and, uh, and an officer on duty 24 hours a day. Yeah. And so it's it really, they work together, uh, which is great, but it's fascinating that uh, our dog was down in the St. Paul area. Yeah, town of Bonneville, 35, uh, uh, 12 in the town right in the town and 23 in the rural delp outside of uh the town of bonneville lac labiche uh, two in the town and 14 in the rural for for lac labiche area you know they're out in Boyle. um nine case files out there seven in vermilion four in Verm uh smoky lake all the way out to smoky lake three in uh, wainwright kit scotty too like there's some great stats here lloyd lloyd has a dog as well and they have three case files in lloyd so supporting them as well right so yeah. yeah, you know, so be interesting. I mean, uh, it's it's been fantastic. You know, really, you know, glad that council funded that. It took a while, like you say, and you know, each member, uh, you know, is about one sixty, hundred sixty thousand dollars, I think, to fund an RCMP member all in. And so, council, once again, uh, when we we start delivering budget, uh, we'll have to review if we're going to hire more boots on the ground. And uh, we we fund right now seventeen positions, uh, the city colleague taxpayers. You know, and yeah, the, the police dog uh, unit was an addition that was makes yeah. it seventeen, and then one of the the big uh, needs right now, of course, is a new RCMP building, and so that'll be in front of council for a capital project. Uh, the staff over there are very crowded, and we'll try to find them a new location, a new building. Now, beyond that, what's uh, not not widely talked about, but it is public knowledge, is that there's also going to be now in a la the Lakeland region is the uh, the crime reduction task force. That's going to be standing up. That's funded that's, by MD Bonneville. That, yeah, yeah, that's going to be. Uh, I, I th it's an initially start by the MD Bonneville. I think that's what the plan is, and uh, I think in there it has uh, three, three to four uh, people working in that uh, type of system. So that's quite exciting that there's going to be a new crime reduction task force that's uh, that's going to be uh, launched for the Lakeland uh, specific region here. Yeah. I'm sure we'll talk about that at the open yeah. house, and and we just try to you know basically ideas to hear from citizens uh, from the area. Get some feedback, some suggestions, and and everything will be deliberate. I mean, we've we've heard conversations about hiring a security, uh, private security firm to just drive around and, and have eyes on the ground to uh, more bylaw officers or, or more RCMP members. Yeah, there's issues around advantages and disadvantages in some of all those, right? Security, I think uh, somebody uh, mentioned that uh, we're taking a look at St. Paul was doing it. Uh, um, and what are some of the successes and some of the challenges associated with what they're doing down there? Um, Want to make sure we're going into it wise, wide open and what what is happening. I, I think uh, council at the council chambers, 
some conversation that even outside of taxation, um, there is other ways of doing it, like a business revitalization zone that used to be standing up for the downtown area. They used to pay money towards the capital improvements of downtown. You know, since then the BRZ dissolved, there's other opportunities to be able to take that on as a group of uh, businesses as well. So, um, so yeah, no, that, you know, another thing I wanted to mention too, is the province, you know, you know, outside of those 50 uh, members of the, uh, of the crown prosecutors, um, I don't know where that is yet is in December, there was an announcement of 300 members of RCMP being added to Alberta as well. And there's been uh, no intel to us uh, right now where those 300 members um, that are being stood up, where are they going in the province? And, uh, you know, there's a strong argument to be made that Cold Lake should be getting, you know, when you look at 300, should be getting at least uh, one or so that two coming here. So, you know, there's that aspect or that angle as well that we should be uh, lobbying the uh, the government of Alberta. Um, Your Worship, you just uh, sent a letter to the government of Alberta wanting to meet with the Solicitor General as well, yeah. right? So Yeah, I mean, we got to meet with these ministers. Minister I mean, of Justice. Yeah, Minister of Justice. And uh, we know that we also want to meet with the Minister of Health to, to try to understand uh you know, how, what enhancements, uh, more staffing for the Coley Hospital. I mean, the, the, the counts uh, at Emerge, the visits that they, they get. I mean, that little hospital just keeps hitting it out of the park and the staff, uh, you know, we, we see a lot of people. I think we're the third highest uh, per capita uh, Emerge visits in all of Alberta. So, you know, a lot of people, you know, even though we're at the end of the highway, Highway 28, one of the most challenging highways in the province, the province that has no turning lanes, uh, very dangerous highway. Anybody travels east on highway or either direction on highway 20 with no passing lanes, uh, no safe, uh, uh turnouts, uh, when you're, when you're turning. Uh, it's amazing that that highway, uh, in the previous boom never got any funding, but let's hope that, uh, the province is going to start putting some serious money into highway 20 because it's falling apart. And, uh, and it is a huge safety issue. What you're seeing now is people actually go, go up highway 36 to cut off uh, or 41 to cut off to some off of that uh, journey on 28 and when you have all that traffic coming in for Fort McMurray which is twinned and then they come on to a single lane 28 it, you just sort of shake your you know your head and go well, so why did you twin it up to Fort Mac and you didn't twin it from Edmonton up to the to, to, to get to, to the highway for 63 so it's uh, you know we'll see where we look forward to the capital budget uh, from the province to start putting some money into this 300 kilometer goat path um, and uh, you know because really uh, when the, the big mod moves when these oil companies start moving again and start investing in this province we saw these big huge module moves because the equipment has to be brought in trucked in and uh, some of the, the hazards on the highway were incredible I remember talking to the to the a fellow one time that was bringing up a big mod up to the northeastern British Columbia, and they were on uh, 36, and then, and so he stopped, and I I chatted with him for a bit, and he said the most dangerous highway of their move was 28 and 43, I think it was hmm. 43 or 30, uh, yeah, I think it was a 43, but anyways, uh, he, he gave me the two highways that are the most dangerous when you go up to Dawson Creek, and so you know I think that we have to have a hard look at at that highway. Uh, let's hopefully, um, you know, the province is going to start to, to start to kick the tire on, on that one. Uh, but, uh, you know, I think uh, one of the big things we're seeing, in, you know, talking about winter, so changing the subject a bit, is the amount of ice fishermen on Cold Lake is 
unbelievable this winter. I mean, it keeps on growing. I think, you know, the lake is massive, so I don't really think that uh, the fishermen are doing a, a lot of um, impact to the, the fishing population. But what, what's really fascinating is you're starting to see a lot of businesses now uh, uh, stand up and uh, from guiding services to shack rentals to bait uh, to to uh, the, the fancy lures. Uh, I mean, we're really, you go on YouTube and you see all these uh, amazing videos that the fishermen are are putting on there's several fishermen that put just outstanding uh, quality videos. If you don't know how to fish, uh, you can definitely see some of these YouTube videos where you know the one person has got he's fishing and he's got his uh, fish finder there, and you can watch his bait and the f- chase the fish and hit it. I mean, it's just spectacular stuff. And uh, so it's you know really noticeable out there um, the amount of people that are fishing and recreating. This coming weekend, of course, is Family Day weekend, and it should be a free fishing weekend. So uh, maybe the Nagoyas will be out fishing this oh, weekend. Oh, maybe, maybe, yeah. Yeah, I don't know. I, I get nervous on that ice, though. I'm, I just, it cracks know, I a just, bit when the vehicles yeah, are going by. You know, listening to that. Yeah, it's all Little good. ponds are okay, but uh, I don't know. That's that's a big lake. It doesn't matter if you're on a lake and, and you fall in, if it's if it's 300 feet deep or, or 10 feet, you're in trouble. <laughs> you're going to get wet. But, uh, no, it's, it's amazing. You know, we saw... Um, that they had the fish presentations uh, throughout Alberta. We had a cold lake uh, uh, night where the fish biologists, I thought, did a great job. And uh, people can come in and and, uh, and talk to the fish biologists and, and provide their input. Uh, we do know that a lot of anglers up in our area want to see Murray Lake uh, open up. And so I know that a lot of people are having conversations at night. And so Murray Lake for, 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 walleye. for both walleye and pike, right? You can't keep any. So, you know, a great conversation should you support slot sizes and all this stuff. You know, the the what thing people have to realize that you know, because we're right on the border of Saskatchewan, so many people in our area go to Saskatchewan to fish. And mm-hmm. so you have this whole... Uh, knowledge of how amazing fishing is in Saskatchewan. Well, they have so many lakes, and uh, and they don't have the population base like Alberta. So, one thing about fishing is uh, you'll you see what the amount of spend that uh, they spend on fishing. Uh, I think it's uh, it's like um, the economic return is just incredible. Six hundred and fifty or six hundred sixty million dollars a year is spent on fishing in Alberta, and so huge industry. And uh, you know, we were at the tourism workshop and. Uh, the the target for tourism for the spend in Alberta, I think it's about $8 billion a year right now is spent on tourism in, in Alberta. And um, they want to set a goal of, of hitting $20 billion by 2030. And so, you know, a, a double and a bit. And so that's tremendous growth. I mean, that's a lofty targets to, to try to put out there. But when you look at our area and you get on, say, Coal Lake, let's talk about, you know, Coal Lake, there's so much trees and so much forest that you know that the cottage industry we've talked about this mm-hmm. on council is is what a what an untapped uh, ability to have cottages on the shores of coal lake and even isolated areas where somebody would take cottages you by boat. and or snowmobiles snowmobile, during absolutely. the winter yeah, yeah. and, and uh, there's so much potential on that big lake and it is really a, an amazing lake a very little development on the lake and so from a tourism standpoint, when you look at all of the lakes, a lot of them, of course, are surrounded by in, inside Crown Land, is that now coming in, and if you're an entrepreneur, is uh, developing, whether it's five or six cottages or right up to a lodge and uh, and camping, is allowing people to uh, want to invest and, and having opportunity to invest on certain lakes and really opening it up for tourism. You see that in Saskatchewan. You definitely see it in Ontario, where you see all these all these lakes with cottages on there. I mean, look at the Muskoka area. 
you know, in Southern Ontario, and it's just phenomenal prices for, for, for property. And yet on Coal Lake, we have houses right on the shores of Coal Lake going for what we think is, is a song. And so it's, it's an untapped uh, potential. Part of our Coal Lakes issue, of course, is three hours away from Edmonton. And that always, we always said if we were an hour and a half from Edmonton, this place would be off the charts. But, you know, that extra distance uh, does impact people from wanting to, to come to Coal Lake, and but you know, we see our campgrounds are full on a weekend. They're yeah. always packed. We do have our billboards that are all over Edmonton, though. Yeah, yeah, yeah. yeah. We, and the Edmonton International. We're yeah. trying to yeah. encourage people that fishing and and boating and and snowmobiling is very relaxing. The slogan: This is our rush hour. Is yeah, that what this it is? is our rush hour. Yeah, Why yeah, yeah. sit in? I mean, it, it took me the other day an hour to get from downtown Edmonton to the south end. You know, of course it was a, it was snowing out, but. You know, you could. That would only take you ten minutes in Coal Lake, if that. <laughs> if that, yeah. 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 <laughs> and you go buy four four Tim Hortons in the at, rush minute at Starbucks now. So I mean, <laughs> it. Uh, you know, there's something to be said about uh, a quiet, uh, you know, area to to live in, and and we're trying to promote um, not only uh, people to look to not only look come out here to work, and but uh, but also retire. I mean, you look at the, uh, the the property values right now in Coal Lake. Uh, if you're sitting in Vancouver right now on your multi-million dollar uh, property, sell it and, and move out to a nice, quiet uh, recreation uh, area like Coal Lake. Yeah, no, you get your asks of uh, of a transit bus between here and Bonneville, so that way people can live in Cold Lake and then just drive, uh, take the transit bus down, yeah. to, down to Bonneville and work and come back here and spend and live. A regional transit system. Yeah, I mean, look at Edmonton is looking at that with their neighbors around the area is uh, a regional transit. And so it doesn't matter where you live. Uh, what they're trying to look at is is moving people around and, of course, being all that carbon neutral talk. But uh, certainly uh, we've had, like you said, we've had that request. I live in Coal Lake. I work in Bonneville. Why would you look at a, a transit system? We've seen the transit request of Coal Lake First Nations has had the same request. So right now, uh, council's just funding our own deficit on transit inside our community. But uh, certainly you get a lot of requests for, for transit. We know that... Uh, uh, the ambulance, Coal Lake Ambulance Service, goes at least once a day to the city, taking taking the patients. I mean, there's a there's a group uh, over. I think it's over 40 years as a society mm-hmm. that uh, punches above their weight and uh, you know does does their business. Always looking for any donations if anybody wants to help them out. Um, but uh, you know they have a the contract with uh, Alberta Health Services. And uh, just a great, a great crew over there, and and we're really proud to have them in our community. Yeah, that's pretty much it, sir. Yeah, and so you were, you hit the list, and we got our list. Yeah, all the we, questions that were asked yeah. and whatnot. Yeah, we're always willing if anybody wants to email uh, the city of Coal Lake and ask us for some podcast topics. But we we will be bringing in uh, the other councillors over time and and uh, sitting down. Yeah, so with far, we've had uh, Councillor Buckle and uh, Councillor Vining and. Yeah, the yeah. two, yeah, two, two, of them. We're gonna probably uh, try to get uh, Jurgen in, Jurgen Grau in here right away, and and because uh, he he's got probably a a lot of good stories to tell. He manages the ski hill over there, the MD Bonneville has, and uh, very big into the arts in, in music in Coal Lake. So be good to pick his brain for a while. Yeah, yeah. For those that uh, might be listening to podcasts and never been out to Coal Lake, uh, come out in the middle of July. We got the big Coal Lake Air Show, and uh, that's gonna be pretty special. We're gonna have the uh, the Blue Angels. Uh, are going to be flying, which is very unique uh, in Canada, and they'll be flying with our snowbirds. So it's uh, right around July 18th, 19th, somewhere in there. Yeah, uh, a Saturday and a Sunday well, I think show. It's a full year, right? You got you, you got the air show 
um, which is huge. Uh, I think, as I mentioned, Chamber of Commerce uh, is is looking right now with their Feast on the Beach again. Feast on the Beach, long weekend in September. Yeah, you know, there's going to be some great uh, great programming out there. Then you got your Canada Day. That's always a blast down down there. So at the at the Canusu Beach that the city puts on. So, you know, it's going to be a full summer. There's going to keep uh, keep your ears out and the advertising that are out there. Watch social media, but there's going to be lots of stuff going on in yeah, Absolutely. All right. Well, I hope everybody enjoyed our, our podcast number seven and we're building. We got Phil Esposito. Did you know he was number seven in hockey? No. 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 We'll have to brush up on that. Anyways, I hope you enjoyed this show. <laughs> and uh, we'll, we'll see you at podcast number eight.